the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Last night I tried some raw oysters. I want all my picks back and I want David goddamn Putney just because I feel like it. You're out of your mind. I am Dre Fogue and I'm the transfer. Coach, show them just in case they don't like your jacket. Can you go buy another one, Coach, if you need one? Hold on. We'll get it. Errant oh. <laughs> Rogers, E-R-R-A-N-T Rogers. All right, everybody, Back Judge Podcast. Reviewing week one. Uh, what, what a telling week one it was, boys. Yeah, we learned a lot. And also, I do want to say, um, not just because I was very excited for the season, but a great a great week one. A lot of competitive games. Yeah, I, I think awesome it was slate. yeah. At halftime, all the games were were within a touchdown or or within one, one possession. possession yeah. um, pretty awesome to watch, and we got good primetime games too. At least Sunday night. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really nice slate as well. A few things went the way I thought they were. They or they would. Other things did not yeah. go the way I thought they would at all. So de- I mean, definitely kind of a good good mix of week one. A few predictions that I had going into the season that I feel a little bit more confident in. Other predictions I made feeling still like a little less confident, but I'm going to stick by them. Obviously, week one is almost like a fifth preseason game in the sense that these teams aren't at their final products yet whatsoever. Yeah, and, 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 you know, every year you can expect overreactions from fan bases or fantasy owners or whatever. Any football fans anywhere, of course, you're going to get overreactions in week one. And, oh. A whole lot of hot takes in week exactly, one. Exactly, exactly. So I uh, – I respect Klep. I, re- I respect your ability to stick to your guns, and uh, I think we're going to be doing the same over here, at least until around week five. Let me just uh, let me let me start with something though. I, I, the Lions, man. Yeah, no. The, go ahead. My thoughts out here. I mean, so much has already been said about it that I don't want to beat a dead horse. So I'd, I'd like to go a little bit of a different route here and put put someone on blast, and that's Mitch Album. Mitch Album comes out with an article. Detroit Lions play lousy, get lousy support. Up yours, Mitch. He blaming the fans for booing. Said it was it was uncalled for that the Lions fans booed this team. I can't believe that. I think that might have been one of the worst football games I've ever seen. Like from a one-sided. Uh, perspective in terms of the Lions' performance. I mean, yeah. It was worse than the Bills. Yeah, oh, it was. It definitely because was worse than the Bills. If you're the Bills, you're on the road in Baltimore. You have Nathan Peterman starting. No one expects you to win. Everyone has the Ravens as their survivor pick. You're not expected to do anything. Lions, the NFL has gifted you in a, a season-opening game against the Jets, who we all like, but it's the Jets still. At home on Monday night. At home on Monday night. You start the game off with a pick six. The game starts with a pick six. Yeah. And you and you lay an egg. And I think, I mean, I, I'm almost tempted to apologize to Carlos Monteras for saying Patricia has lost the team back in June. Because I don't understand how a team just starts off with a pick six and just gives no effort throughout the rest of the game. It makes absolutely no sense. Say what we will about Jim Caldwell. Whether that team was down 40, I, mean, I remember the last year's game against the Saints in New Orleans. They were down 24 points, like, in the middle of the third quarter, and they clawed their way back in. They The Lions had the ball down one possession in that game against the Saints last year before the Cam Jordan pick six in the end zone. But they, they fought, and, yeah. and that was non-existent on Monday night. It was just disgusting to see. Yeah, and um, obviously I, uh, I'm i going to do this. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I do like doing this. 
Tommy and I were the only uh, only people in the pick em, pick em pool to run with Darnold week one. Darnold and the Jets week one. Uh, and something that I don't I don't necessarily take pride in, but uh, to have the confidence to pick a rookie quarterback going into Ford Field with all the you know accolades or whatever that we we've already aforementioned, uh, that kind of goes to show. Um, where, where the Lions are at right now, I guess. And even, uh, Adam, from your little week one preview, and you, I think you had the Lions winning by three or six points. I think it was a one-possession game or something like that. Yeah, and I think we all had that, or at least even though Lee and I picked the Jets, we thought this was going to be a tough game, and we just kind of were riding with Darnold kind of in the end and riding with the swagger of this young Jets team. I said to you before the game, I want the Detroit Lions to prove to me they can win this game before I pick them. We, we saw what happened. So we can move on from that, but... Yeah, let's, let's go out to L.A. because all three of us were very high in the Chargers. If I'm not mistaken, all three of us had them in the Super Bowl, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I had a long discussion with a uh, family friend before the season started. Um, I think it was one or two days before the season started. And he was going to put big money on the under on the Chargers, under nine and a half. He said at a certain point, it gets past being snake-bitten, and, it, and it's a culture. It's a team culture, losing like that. It's not like you get unlucky eight straight seasons in a row. It's like at a certain point, it's a culture. And the Chargers ca- came out week one and um, I guess proved that the culture hasn't really changed. And Patrick Mahomes is someone who I thought was going to throw two interceptions in that game, and the Chargers were going to win by more than a possession and it went in the opposite direction, and the Chargers kind of looked like they were playing an early game from last year. And Mahomes, the last five years, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Mahomes looked like, um, well, I didn't look like he. I think he had the highest passer or top five passer rating out of all the quarterbacks that played. And I just wanted to say that out of all the games, this is the one that I was the most shocked and disappointed by. And I honestly am kind of at a loss for words when it comes to LA. I, I clearly know it's early in the year, and if I, I still believe in the Chargers. I still believe they can go over 500. But to lose the last nine games to Kansas City, this being the ninth at home, season opener, trying to turn a new leaf after what happened last year, I just think that this was an extremely flat performance by the Chargers. A lot of drop balls, a lot of missed opportunities. And definitely has me the most scared out of any of the week one matchups in terms of my preseason uh, thoughts. Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to say on the flip side, I was just extremely impressed by the Chiefs and, uh, more importantly, Patrick Mahomes, who if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers' uh, amazing performance on that Sunday night game, I think he would have been the most, he had the most impressive performance out of all the week one quarterbacks. Um, and, I mean, we all kind of talked about preseason, how we knew that Mahomes had the talent, we knew that this was going to be a big play offense, but we all were kind of skeptical of the, the bumps and bruises that would come with that strategy of Mahomes not making the right reads. I mean, he had in that game against Atlanta in the preseason, he made a couple bad decisions with the ball, and there was none of that in that game against the Chargers, and he really, I mean, was just slicing and dicing a very good Chargers secondary all day. So, I mean, my really one, my big takeaway from the week one was just being impressed with uh, the Chiefs' product. And I would personally start liking to put some respect on Tyreek Hill's name as a wide receiver in yeah. the NFL. This is a dude who... In my opinion, has Odell-like ability to take the distance on a short yardage pass. Yep. His ability to catch a, a ball between five and ten yards on a slant and split a safety or outrun dudes in the secondary is unbelievable. And I think honestly, we need to start talking about him along with the likes of Julio Jones, 
DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, like up there with the ultimate, ultimate dudes in the NFL. I think it's taken a little longer for him because he's, you know, most of his career highlights as a younger player became were from punt return touchdowns and he was kind of thought of as more of a gadget type player. But this is a dude who is running this offense right now. Yeah, so I, I just think we need to start talking about him a little bit more in terms of an elite receiver in the NFL. Absolutely. He deserves that respect. I mean, at the very least, he's the best big play threat in the league. Um, and, you know, I do want to say Andy Reid always has his teams ready. I don't know if this is going to be another year where they perform better in the first eight weeks of the season than they do in the last eight weeks of the season. And, you know, I think it's a little too early to start to spectate about that. But, boy, oh, boy, the Chiefs, man, they're – they're, uh, they were prepared, and they're a team that, as a, a team that I think maybe I've disrespected a little too much in the past. And uh, in terms of their culture and their ability to win games, they're in the upper echelon of the league. I, I didn't get to watch as much of his game as I wanted to. What were your overall thoughts on the Chiefs' defense? Because like, that was kind of the one concern with them, losing Marcus Peters, Tom Ali, Derek Johnson. I think that I, I didn't get to watch too much of it, but from what I watched – it was more the Chargers' offense not being able to convert on third down, not being able to catch passes that land in the breadbasket. Yeah, I mean, they dropped two for sure touchdowns. And I mean, another. Well, that's the Tyrell Williams one. That was terrible. Yeah, the Tyrell Williams one. And also, Travis, Travis Benjamin, Benjamin had a deep one. And I, I feel like there was a third one as well. But uh, no, the defense was, I mean, overall impressive. I think they had at least one pick on Rivers, maybe they, two. And they got up so quickly where it's like, I don't want to give. To make any excuses, but it's it's hard, it's easier to play as a defense when you're up 14 points in the first quarter. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on. I don't think that their defense necessarily did anything to prove themselves, but uh, clearly they were good enough to uh, to beat the Chargers, a team that we all you know we all had going to the Super Bowl. So let's all head out to the Meadowlands in the Tom Coughlin revenge game where. The Jaguars just kind of took care of business. The Jaguars, to me, along with teams uh, like the Vikings and even, you know, you could say the Eagles, teams that are highly regarded going into the offseason and just took care of business. This game kind of went how I expected it to go. I thought that the Giant, or the Jaguars' defense would just be too much for the Giants to, to handle. Blake Wortles would make a few throws here and there, and they would win a low-scoring affair. I think this kind of just proves to me that the Jaguars are exactly where they were last year. And as long as Blake Bortles doesn't make crippling errors down the stretch in these games, that they should be right back in the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But I also think it's a little bit more of a reflection on the Giants' offense and Eli Manning's play. Obviously, we knew that they were going to struggle with the defensive line of Jacksonville, but they really struggled with the defensive line in Jacksonville. And, I mean... That Saquon run was kind of the only highlight the offense had the whole the whole night. Um, Odell had a, I think 111 yards receiving, but could at least he could have probably had 200 yards receiving. But Eli overthrew him on it a, a couple throws that could have been touchdowns. Um, so again, we all were kind of saying, at least you and me, Adam, were saying the big thing with this Giants um, off of the Giants team is how far is Eli going to take him and what is he going to be able to do? And we kind of saw the limitations of that um, yesterday or on Sunday. And as the only real Giants apologist in this uh, in this threesome here, I'll say that um, I guess the game kind of went as I thought it would go too. To be honest, the, 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 I pick, did pick the Giants to win, and and they lost by two points. They missed a two point conversion to tie the game. They very well could have could have taken that thing into overtime, 
But like Tommy said, there was a throw, Eli, a couple throws Eli Manning made that where he could have kept the Giants ahead at home with a couple good throws that he wasn't able to make. Uh, I'm not nearly as disappointed in the Giants' week one performance this year as I was last year. Last year, it almost seemed like an immediate red flag after they got fasted by the Cowboys week one. And going into week two, I think their matchup in Dallas is going to be just that much more interesting after the, uh, both of their performances week one. And definitely really interested to see this Giants offense unfold still. I still have big uh, big plans for this team. So I, I don't necessarily think they're out of the picture. I think Jacksonville's defense is amongst the best in the league. And I think that uh, there's a lot more to see from the Giants. Who's their week two matchup? Cowboys. Yeah, they got Cowboys Sunday okay. night in Dallas. That'll be a big one. Yeah, for yeah, both of those teams. And if I could uh, do a little uh, segue real quick, just to kind of talk about the Cowboys, who I was fairly confident would beat the uh, Carolina Panthers. And I mean, the Panthers really didn't play. I mean, their defense played very good. Both defenses played very good. The, the Panthers' defense was really good. Um, but both offenses struggled, struggled, and especially the Cowboys. Their offense was just abysmal. Um, there was no communication, really, uh, in terms of the offensive line. It looks like they just really missed Travis Frederick in the middle, kind of leading that offensive line. Um, and there was just no push. Um, and it was just really not the type of performance you want to see from the offense or from Scott Linehan calling the plays. We've been trying to tell you, Tommy. Yeah, yeah I'm getting there. trying to tell you. I had a room. My, my prediction for this game, this is the game that I predicted most to a T. In my week one predictions, I'm pretty sure I said, uh, I'm written up on the Back Judge podcast website. I said that both of the, this, the Packers and, or I'm sorry, the Panthers and the Cowboys would play each other and the Panthers would win, but it would not be in a very impressive win, but they're going to feel good about themselves because they think the Cowboys are a better team than they are and they're going to be in a rude awakening for the rest of the season. I just want to, I don't really have much to say, but. Uh... It's gonna get it's gonna get dirty in Dallas. That's all I have to say. Greg Olson also refractured that foot. Yeah. I feel like as sad as it is, this may be the end of the road for him. No, I think it definitely is the end of the road for him. But he's gonna be a great broadcaster in his post career. So I'm I'm still happy for the guy. Yeah, I was gonna say hopefully it's not too insulting, but maybe maybe he injured the foot that was uh, that was out of the booth. <laughs> one of those one of those feet has been in the booth and uh, I'm sure he'll be there next year he has been doing those those moon, moonlighting for Fox right every yeah, once in a while yeah, yeah. I just was on the bye week and stuff the dude was injured last year and doing a game like he was doing a Ram, the Rams Vikings game while he was on the Panthers roster injured there was, there was something about that how like Fox someone complained so uh, well I just wanted to make but I don't think it's as big of a loss as many people think. Uh, my my rookie to watch from the Panthers in my preview was Ian Thomas, and I think he's going to have a great opportunity to step up into Greg Olson's role. He's a super athletic tight end and had some really big splash plays in preseason, so look for him to start making some plays in Carolina. Any other week one games you want to dive into here? Um, off the top of my head, I do want to say that uh, the Browns should have won, and so should have the Steelers. So that's, that was kind of a weird one to watch. The Steelers definitely looked like they should have won when they were up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Then the Browns came back, and then it looked like the Browns should have won, uh, and they ended up tying. So, they should have gone for two. I was yelling this from the couch. They should have gone for two when they yeah. got that job. <laughs> uh, Hugh, Hugh wanted to stick with that overtime mentality, and uh, it resulted in a tie for the Browns. It's, it's, overtime's 10 minutes now. It's pouring rain. And Miles Garrett has forced two fumbles. To, to keep you in the game somehow. Go for two. 
he can't afford to lose though right now in terms I, of his career. So I don't. I, 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 I did want to know what both of you guys thought about um, Roethlisberger's performance though, turning the ball over four times and uh, kind of looking older. Well, it's just kind of a continuation of last year, really. I mean, we saw. And the, I think the that that's turnover a Roethlisberger game is is not necessarily an anomaly. It was in the rain. I'll give him. I mean, it's not good to see. Obviously, I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, I still don't have the Steelers going much further than winning their division, so I'm I'm willing to give him a few more weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of just wanted to touch on. Uh, just I was I was impressed by the Vikings um, against the 49ers because I, I had high hopes for both of these teams, uh, and the and the Vikings just seem to be better than they were last year. Their defense hasn't really missed a step, and Kirk Cousins looks like he is a perfect fit kind of for their offense, and they had a seamless kind of win against a good 49ers team. I mentioned them earlier with the Jaguars as teams that are I thought on paper clearly better than their opponent. But and they just went in and handled business, stuck to the game plan. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, if you look at his stat line, it's nothing too impressive. But he just did what he had to do to win. Yeah. Nothing more than that. These two touchdown throws too were Beautiful. really, really nice, tight window passes. That one is so th- great. Things in things in Minnesota look really, really good. I obviously I don't think the Niners are necessarily a juggernaut. Obviously, I think they're a team that can be frisky. But it was just a very nice week one win for them. I mean, almost like it's like what you would would have liked the Lions to do against the Jets. A frisky team, but you should be better than them at home. And the Vikings just went in and did what they had to do. Yeah, I was. I, I just want to say I was also impressed by uh, Captain Cousins. I think that um, I honestly think that uh, we may have under we may have underrated that move. Just as a as a collaborative here, I know everyone was talking about it, and I give us credit for not over beating that point, but, I mean, Kirk Cousins is a guy who is solid to elite. He And, and, and the, the only way he can prove to be elite, I think, is in a situation like Minnesota where he doesn't make many mistakes and they win a lot of football games. So this is definitely a team that uh, I, I, I think it would be hard for anyone, any football fan to really assume Minnesota is not going to make the playoffs. I think this is one of those teams where, as far as the NFC go, goes, they're uh, – they're, they're in the elite there. Good shout out to the Redskins, taking care of business against the Cardinals. I'm feeling, even though the Seahawks lost our Tommy, I'm feeling good about uh, that little bet. The, uh, the Cardinals-Seahawks, yeah. Plus, Seahawks have four more wins than the Cardinals. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Well, we'll see what happens when uh, they come to Soldier Field on Monday because I, I do not think that they're going to We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get, get into, into that. that. Any, any last remarks about week one that you boys want to put out there? Quick fire round. I'll give you a quick, quick fire, fire round. Everyone, everyone give a nice little take. Quick little fire round. Baltimore looked great. The Saints looked lousy. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay's D-line looked very good, and I don't think Fitzpatrick will play like that all year, but I still think the Buccaneers can be somewhat competitive. Um, shoot, Tennessee and Miami's game took way too long, and both those teams look pretty underwhelming. The AFC South underwhelmed me wholesomely. Absolutely. The Colts' defense, secondary especially, could not cover anybody. The Colts really should have won that game at home for luck. Couldn't do it. Um, Cincinnati looks solid. I'm excited for this Thursday night game against Baltimore. Texans and Deshaun Watson absolutely looked slumpish against the Patriots, who kind of were picking up right where they left off. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of will piggyback on all those points, really. I mean, the only thing I wanted to say about the Texans is that this is my big concern about them was their offensive line. And their offensive line was their Achilles heel that, that whole game against New England. And they lost Central Henderson for the year on top of that. So things aren't going to get any better. Um, and then about the Colts, I mean, Andrew Luck looks really good, too. But their defense is a huge question mark. So uh, the AFC South, and, and of course, you know, to cap off the AFC South, I was huge on the Titans coming in this year, and they looked god-awful against uh, Miami. Obviously, Mariota got hurt, but even before he got hurt, uh, he really was not that impressive either. So this kind of looks yeah, like the Jaguars. hurt isn't necessarily a surprise either. No. Yeah, I, I, I know we, uh, or I guess me, I bash Mariota a good amount. The dude's not cut out for it, man. And, and, and by it, I mean winning consistent playoff games and, and taking a team on a run. I just don't you think... You know who else ain't cut out for it? Jared Goff. Mitch Tribb. Mitch Tribb, boy. <laughs> he, he, he ain't built for the league, man. It, it's, it's over. He had a great first half. Great first half. Who cares, man? Uh, do you want to get into that Sunday night game, or let's, or do you want to move on to the... No, let's move on, man. Let's move on. Let's, you want to kick it off with a uh, little Chiefs-Steelers week two preview? Yeah, week two preview coming at you. Chiefs-Steelers, Steelers 0-0-1, Chiefs 1-0, rematch of, I believe, 20, 2016 divisional playoff game. Heck of a game. When the Steelers came into Kansas City and, and took that win from them and, and basically got the whole ball rolling on the Pat Mahomes draft, drafting Pat Mahomes. Yeah, and now the Chiefs get to see their return on their investment. I guess you know, it, it, obviously, whether Pat Mahomes or the Chiefs win or lose this game won't define his career. But it would be pretty interesting to see if the Chiefs win. I mean, you could say in hindsight, losing that game to the Steelers was the best thing that ever happened to this franchise. <laughs> obviously, that would be a little bit of an overreaction, but definitely just a nice little storyline to go along with this one. If if you're the Steelers. You gotta win this one at home. Yep, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was kind of just gonna—that was kind of gonna be my main point. Was uh, after after tying Cleveland week one, you're looking at a situation here where a young gunslinging QB who put up a ton of yards with a high power offense is coming into Pittsburgh for your home opener, and you're kind of outmatched, to be honest. Um, I know I've spoken some pretty bad things about the Steelers this offseason, but I think we can all agree that their secondary in pass defense has kind of been the big question mark. And a lot of people have been waiting to see their young players uh, step up and then make plays when it matters. And I just think that this is kind of a trap game for them in a way where they're just going to be outmatched and Kansas City's kind of rolling off that week one road win. They're going to go to Pittsburgh and... I just find it very hard for this to be an instance where I pick the Steelers. The only thing convincing me that the Steelers are really going to make this a tough game is the fact that they're at home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the Kansas City train for this game as well. Um, I think that I still have questions about the Steelers' secondary, and especially going up against a high-powered offense like this, we're really going to find out kind of what they're made of and if that really is as big of a weakness as we have kind of all have thought. Um, but, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. This definitely, I think, has to be a must-win game for the Steelers. And just to one, one more point on the Chiefs, if Pat Holmes and the Chiefs are able to win this game, that would be a very impressive two-game start. 
traveling to LA, then traveling over back to Pittsburgh. Two road wins to start your year off, and, and they're really rolling. A team's trying to go four and four on the road, and, and then clean your games up at home to get yourself a nice twelve and four record. They'd be well on their way. Yeah. So Absolutely. another another intriguing nooner we got going on is Panthers Falcons. And Lee, I know you wanted to talk about the line in this one, which is ATL minus six, which is, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think it's a little high, but going back to what I was saying about the Cowboys Panthers game, I think the Panthers feel pretty good about themselves coming off that week one win. And, and they absolutely should not. And I think that a reckoning is coming here in Atlanta. The Falcons, I know that they just lost two key pieces on defense in Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, which is really tough to swallow. But I think at home, in the dome, that this offense is really going to wake up and put some points up on Carolina. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Clep. And another, I mean, we didn't really talk about the Thursday night game because it was, you know, almost a week ago now. But the, Atlanta's offense was, I mean, that was really the first impression of the NFL season was we all were on Atlanta to win that game and their offense. I mean, they really kind of, I mean, they had so many opportunities to win that game and probably should have won that game, but their offense... I mean, I don't know if it's Sarkeesian or if it's just plain execution with the players down on the field, but their offense was just so lackluster um, that they, they really need a big, a big win against a good Carolina defense this week. I guess to go out on a limb here a little bit, I really don't think that this Panthers team is that great. I didn't think the Cowboys are that great, and I think, Clep, you might be with me a little bit. Aside from the front seven in Carolina and the incredible linebacker play they have and it's very solid defensive line, they're... Not a great team, in my opinion. They have one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the league. I think this is a very important game for Atlanta coming off that Thursday night loss. It's the home opener. It's a division opener. Everyone on offense underperformed, and in my opinion, in that game, maybe aside from Julio. Uh, I definitely feel like books-wise that the Panthers may be getting a little too much after that you know, confidence-boosting week one win, but I also would take... I would lay the six on Atlanta at home because I think that the um, this passing attack is is, is going to have more uh, desire than ever to really put some big numbers up against this Carolina defense after the kind of flat offensive showing Thursday night in Philly. Yeah, and I, really- I, don't, even think the, I don't even think the Panthers' D-line is that great. They have Quan Short, who ate against the decimated yeah. interior of the Cowboys' offensive line, but... The depth there isn't is not even there either. So no, not really. The no, Panthers are not an impressive team to me. I know, Tommy, you like Ian Thomas to have a nice little role, but let's be honest, he's not going to replace Greg Olson. No, definitely so. not. But uh, on on the flip side, though, I really want to see Muhammad Sanu or Calvin Ridley step up after you know being they didn't do anything in that first game against Philly. Um, obviously, Ridley is going to take a little bit longer for him to come along being a rookie, but Sanu's a veteran guy who had a really good year last year. So These noon games are truly stacked. I'd like to talk about Vikings-Packers next. Mm-hmm. This is a huge game. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has been cleared yet, but I would have a hard time imagining that he doesn't play. He has a little bit of a standing beef with the Vikings since or since last year they injured him. I'm shocked that this game isn't in a primetime slot. But maybe that's because they just gave the Packers the week one uh, prime time. But still, I just think that's a little shocking. Yeah, you know they're always going to put the Cowboys on prime time. <laughs> you know yeah. how the NFL rolls. I guess I'll start this one off. It was definitely hard to predict this game for me just because there's always the Aaron Rodgers factor and the Packers are a team that I really like going into the year. But, Clep, remind me, who's at home in this one? Is it Minnesota? Packers. The Packers are at home. 
Wow, it's in Lambo as well. That makes it just that much harder. I'll take the Vikings, man. Yeah, I'm still riding with the Vikings. I still they were they were so much more consistent against a, a lesser team in Week One, mm-hmm. and the Packers were not at all consistent. They needed Aaron Rodgers to come in and play hero ball just to beat the Bears at home. Yeah, and even with how impressive that Bears defense is, I just think the Vikings defense is at a different level to where Aaron Rodgers maybe can get one touchdown, two touchdowns with his will, but he's not about to be driving down and scoring 20 points or 21 points to get your team back in a game. I just see Minnesota putting a little too much pressure overall, defensively, offensively, points-wise, for this Green Bay team to keep up this early in the year. I think these are two teams. This is a possible playoff matchup we could be seeing. Yeah. But uh, as far as week two goes, I'm going to stick with uh, with the Vikings on the road. Yes, I, I am too, and I completely agree with all you guys. Um, yeah, I just think Minnesota's been way too consistent. I think they're a little bit too much of a well-oiled machine at this point. And I think this Packers team still needs to figure some stuff out. Um, and definitely this would be stuff that we would all be talking about if Rodgers didn't come in and, and save the day on Sunday night. So um, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting game. Being at home is going to help Green Bay a lot. But uh, this is, yeah, I mean, it's also a huge game for Minnesota. I mean, we're also assuming a lot of things. This is a nice road test for them early on in the in the season against another elite team in the NFC. So it's going to be a great game. And they probably in one way or another feel that, oh, yeah, well, people, even with how many people think they're good, it's like, oh, well, last year the only reason you guys did that well in that division is because Rodgers was injured. And, you know, if, Green Bay has always been the number one in the division, and you guys are kind of, so this is kind of their opportunity to be like, well, Rodgers was playing and we kind of shut you guys down in Lambeau, so a really, really, really good team would win this game, I think, and I think Minnesota's a really, really, really good team, so I'm going with the Vikings. We're all, we're all on the Vikings. We're all on the same teams here so far. Afternoon game, Pats at Jaguars. We're rematch to the AFC Championship game, except for this time, it is in Duval. I, I'm, I'm going to still stick with the Patriots here, just because I, I can't pick against it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick until they show me that I shouldn't. And it wasn't necessarily an uber impressive win against the Texans, but they were in control the entire time. Uh, and I still think the Jaguars, they have Blake Bortles and I just don't think Blake Bortles is going to help you when you're down seven points. It's a team that has to play from the lead. They can't play from behind. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Pats got up a little early on them, uh, unlike last year where they fell behind a little bit and just kind of controlled this one too, just like they did in week one. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, Clef. I'm going to stick with the Patriots as well. Um, But I'm I'm also really looking forward to seeing this Jaguars defensive line going up against this Patriots offensive line who kind of has a new look this year. And, uh, I mean, I think if the Jaguars win this game, it's going to have to be kind of – the same formula that they took into that AFC Championship game last year, making it a low-scoring affair and kind of getting out to a lead early. But then again, it just kind of comes down to, is Bortles going to be able to do that again for them? And I have a hard time seeing that. I'm very honored to say that I'm out on an island on this one. I'm glad that I I'm, I'm finally get to get some dis- disparity in the picks here. I'm, I'm going with the Jags at home. I uh, definitely went out on a little bit of a limb last week picking the Giants to beat the Jags. That was a game that I was eyeballing for a while before the season started as the Giants, you know, maybe cementing themselves as a, as a contender week one, and that didn't really go my way. And I don't know necessarily what Leonard Fournette's status is going into this game. I'm assuming that he'll be able to play because the injury didn't look too bad. But uh, I think regardless that the Jaguars are a team that 
takes things personally, and they're going to remember that AFC game. I think that the Patriots are definitely going to be got away with some uh, lack of talent at the receiver position week one due to Houston's lackluster secondary, and especially cornerbacks and slot cornerbacks. And I think the Jaguars boast the best sec- or cornerback tandem in the league. I don't know necessarily who Tom Brady's going to throw the ball to because I think Jacksonville has, in, in the past year due to their great linebacker play, has been able to limit Gronk. So I think that this is going to definitely be a dogfight. Um, the Jags are a three-point dog at home. I definitely like taking the points with the Jags, and I'm, I'm going to go Jags straight up in this one in a close one. I'd like to do a little multitasking right now. Two games I'm looking at here that are divisional games, and both of the teams are 0-1, and I would venture to say must-win games in Week 2, and that I would venture to just kill off the loser in both of these games and say they're not going to make the playoffs if they don't win. I'm talking about Texans at Titans and Giants at Cowboys. Both of these teams coming off of lackluster Week 1 performances, 0-1, divisional opponent. These games are so important for all four of these teams. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that they're out of the playoff race uh, this early in the year, but I totally get where you're coming from from a standpoint of playing behind and especially playing behind in your division and just getting off to a slow start in the year. Um, I think these are going to be two extremely competitive games because all those teams know what you just said. You know, the there's nothing uh, being hidden here. Everyone knows how important these games are. Um I'll start it off with the early one by saying I expect the Texans to really fire back this week after Deshaun Watson kind of slept walk, slept walked through, sleepwalked through the, <laughs> the week one matchup against the Patriots and definitely shook off some rust. Um, I'm sticking with the Texans in this one. I think that Vrabel, Mike Vrabel honestly looked a little bit confused on the sideline and the Titans really didn't look in sync, dare I say it. Patricia um, S. Yeah, no, I and I know that, you know, the best excuse in the world is saying that there were two delays in your game that lasted three hours a pop and, you know, the game lasted eight hours or whatever, and I understand that. But as far as getting the run game going with their solid offensive line, the Titans really couldn't do that against a kind of shaky Miami defense at the very best. And I think defensively that the Titans have a lot of stuff to patch up. The, my, the Miami offense kind of worked them down a little bit, and – Uh, Again, Marcus Mariota, really, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I don't know if he's even going to be playing. And if Blaine Gabbard's playing, this thing's a friggin' wash. So I'm going to go with the Houstons in the first one, or with the Texans in the first one. Yeah, I actually am going to take the Texans as well. Uh, I'm really starting to kind of sour on Tennessee a little bit, uh, mainly due to their offense and the creativity that I thought I was going to see from Matt LaFleur was absent uh, in week one against Miami. And who knows? I mean, all the factors that Lee just brought up can be excuses for why that happened. But I don't think they're utilizing Derrick Henry enough. Um, I think they have a perfect combination in Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry and a great offensive line, and this really should be the exotic smash-mouth team that Mike Malarkey was trying to make them into two or three years ago, whenever that was. Um, and then and, you know, using the play action and using Marcus Mariota's athleticism to convert third downs. Um, so hopefully we'll see more of that. But right now I think that the Texans just have a, a better team, and I'm going to take them at home. And just a quick remark on the Cowboys-Giants game. No matter who wins this game, for me personally, I know Lee as a Giants guy and Tommy as a Cowboys uh, guy, 
you may think differently, but whoever wins this game, I'm not going to think any more or any less of. I think these teams would probably be both 0-2. They're going up against different opponents, and whoever wins it does not factor into my mind. I think this Washington Redskins and the Eagles are the top two teams in the NFC East. Yeah, I guess, and just to... I, I kind of left... We both left out our predictions for that one, and I'll just real quickly say, I expect the Giants to... Uh, Going to Dallas and win that game this weekend, as I'm sure anyone could guess who listens to this podcast, um, it's kind of beating a dead horse saying that I don't believe in the Cowboys, but things are going to start sliding downhill really quickly for them, and none, nothing would uh, spark the flame quite like a loss at home to the Giants in week two uh, of the year, especially a, a bad loss. So I'm sticking with that kind of plane of thinking, and I'm, I'm going to go with the Giants to win by a possession or maybe even two on the Sunday night game. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys just because they have to win this game. Um, this is this is as big of a must-win game, I think, for the Cowboys as it gets. Uh, I mean, their offense, they need, I mean, they're going up against a worse defense in, in, in New York than they were going up against, I mean, yeah, than in Carolina. So I think they, there needs to be some spark on offense. And if not, I'm just, I'm sick of, the Cowboys running over the sidelines after going in three and out, and Jason Garrett is there just clapping. You know, like, come on, guys, we're still there. Let's get it. Uh, like, this, it's almost time to hit the panic button. And, and, and if they have an ugly loss at home against the Giants, who I think they are a better team than, um, I think that it's time, it might be time to just blow up shop and bring someone else in. I don't, an interim coach, I don't even know. Make Marinelli the head coach. Just Probably should have connected this game with the – Chiefs Steelers won, but Thursday night football, two teams in the AFC North that are one and zero: Ravens and Bengals. I don't have a great feel, honestly, right now to make a prediction. And maybe after you guys share your analysis, I can pick a team here. But just from a, a taking yourself out of the situation, for the Ravens or Bengals, if you guys win this game, you're two and zero. And then, as we think the Chiefs are going to go into Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, all three of us are kind of riding the Chiefs there. And the Steelers start 0-1 and 1, and you're sitting up top of the AFC North at 2-0. Obviously, really early in the season, but you got to feel great about that start and feel great about how Pittsburgh is kind of flustering through through two weeks. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'll kind of start it off. That's why I'm expecting Baltimore to win this game. Um, obviously, I don't think I'm as high in Cincinnati as you guys are, but they did. Uh, they they weren't awful, and they and they did impress me. And they I guess they deserved to win that that game against Indianapolis. But this is really, I think, the Ravens' uh, year to take over the NFC North if it's not going to be the uh, Steelers' year. So I think they have a better team than Cincinnati, and I'm they're they're playing in Cincinnati, aren't they, Adam? Yeah, it is. Okay, well, yeah, well, with even even on the road, this is a big game. Um, they obviously weren't tested that much against Buffalo, so this is going to be a great marker for them to get to that two and zero mark that you were just talking about, Adam, and be leading in that division, uh, and. I just I think that they're a better coach and a better team, so I'm going to stick with that and take the Ravens. Yeah, no, this is uh, Clef. I'm kind of with you because we kind of have similar opinions on the Bengals, especially after what a heck of a team win they had last week. Uh, I kind of counted Absolutely. them out. I counted them out uh, when luck. I think luck was up in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, and uh, the Bengals kind of roared back and and had a heck of a team win. That was really impressive. And Clef, how about th- throwing those old unis to the side and just making those color rushes? The uh, 
Yeah, thank God. I mean, if, if any team needs goodness. a uniform redo, this is the only good uni they have. Somehow, some, some way, I feel like that that had to do with them winning. But anyways, um, this is such a tough pick for me. And even with how much I believe in the Ravens, I think that the Bengals have a lot of spunk this year. And Marvin Lewis is, you know, the reality is reality. And I know he's the Mr. 500 as a coach or whatever, but they're still playing competitive football this year. They're still trying to win games, you know. They, they, they don't I don't think there's a overall eight and eight mentality in that locker room this year and I and I've been saying that for a while I really don't I think there are too many veteran savvy players and, and they had too good of a draft and the Steelers are too vulnerable in that division for for them to just kind of drop out of it so this is definitely a really tough pick for me um, the line is even it's 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 a, a pick it's a pick'em game so I definitely would would have confidence in the Ravens in this one just because of my overall confidence in the Ravens. This is um, a team where before the season I was saying they have a week four date with the Steelers and they have three winnable games before that. They won their week one game, which is the most winnable game they had, and then they go to Cincinnati and they host the Broncos next week. So they're not easy games by any means, but these are game, uh, games where the, the Ravens are going to be evenly matched, if not maybe a little bit better than the team they're playing. It's a divisional game, and it's uh, they're on a short week, so it's kind of a toss-up for me. But Ravens here, just because of overall better coaching and uh, more trustworthy defense and quarterback. I'm gonna go with the Ravens as well after thinking about it a little bit. The Bengals, I think I, I like that this game is at home. I think it'll make it a more competitive watch. And if this game was in Baltimore, I would definitely be on the Ravens. But I, I just think they have probably the better coach debatably the better quarterback, even though those it might not be by, by too much there. I, I just like the Ravens to go in and kind of take care of business on a short week after what was essentially a fifth preseason game against Nathan Peterman and the Bills. Yeah. And I hate that I'm, that I'm going to do this because I, I hate wasting our, our listeners' time, but it, it's the Lions podcast somewhat. Got to talk about the game in Santa Clara this Sunday. Don't have to spend too much time on it. Um, I guess I'm gonna pick the Lions to lose. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I. Uh, uh, on my ESPN app here, it says the line is San Francisco minus six, which I think is a little strong. But maybe Vegas is just overreacting to giving the Lions six last uh, last Monday. Yeah, I think that's a little strong too. But um, the Niners did lose a really tough game on the road to one of the best teams in the league, Week One, and now. They've got the Lions on a short week flying across the country to play them at home. This is a must-win. I know we've overused must-win. Every game's a must-win game in the NFL. But if any game's a must-win for the Niners this early in the year, this is a game where they've kind of had circled on their calendar. I think they knew how good the Vikings were. They played a tough game. And they're getting a much worse team coming to their house. Um, I definitely agree that I think six might be a little too much. I think there might be a little too much faith in the Niners. I don't think I'd touch that line. But as far as a pick goes, I have... Uh, I have a lot of confidence that the Niners are gonna are gonna deliver here and win this game, and I think I think that with the the, the Patriots game next week, things could start to slide a little bit in uh, in Motown. Yeah, I'm all over the Niners as well, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Jimmy G going up against a worse defense. I mean, he kind of struggled against. Uh, I didn't play that. I mean, he didn't play awfully, but he threw three picks against Minnesota, and really kind of had the first kind of bad game in his in his eight game career so far. So I'm expecting him to bounce back against the Lions defense that looked awful against the Jets on uh, on Monday. But on the other to- side of the token, I mean, 
The Lions, I, they have all the talent offensively, and, I mean, they have a solid defense, I guess. So they very well, they're more than capable of winning this game. I mean, there are some people out there who believe that the, the Lions' week one game is a blessing in disguise and that it was a wake-up call yeah. and that now Stafford, instead of five picks, in the, he's not in the game anymore. He's got zero picks going to San Francisco, and it's a completely new season. And, yeah, they may be 0-1, but I think that that's a good outlook to have and, um, you know, Stafford's an elite quarterback, and I'll continue to say that. I believe Matthew Stafford's an elite quarterback. I really do. But as far as a full team goes, the Lions, they can't stop the run very well, and Garoppolo's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, objectively, uh, in week two of the season right now, and you're, you're, you're going to, uh, to San Francisco. Just not a lot of things turning in the Lions' favor of this week two game. Yeah, very, I mean, all that is very fair analysis. Let's do... Who, 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 you got, who you got in Houston, uh, Tennessee, and New York, Dallas? Just give us that quick because you didn't get to go. Uh, I, I'm going to go – I mean, I'm going to pick the Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because I don't necessarily know the stats of Mariota, but even if Mariota was in, I would just pick the Texans because I didn't like what I saw out of the Titans at all. It just seemed one, like more especially. of the same. Yeah. And Giants, Cowboys, I'm going to pick the Giants. I just think – I think the Cowboys are in for a rough year. And this would kind of just be the the stamp on the fact that this team is not going to perform up to the expectations of its fans and its ownership, even though they should have seen it coming before the season even started. Absolutely, man. Seattle-Denver was a highly competitive game. It's fun to watch. I didn't watch enough of it because there's too many games happening, but I did watch a good chunk of it. Fun to watch. I was really proud of the Broncos. It's a team that I kind of has been, have been on uh, defensively just because of their infrastructure, and I'm kind of a Case Keenum guy. In one way or another, I like seeing him succeed uh, since hard knocks with the Rams. Um, so I liked what I saw out of Denver. They got Oakland coming to town this week. I think this is a team that, with a with another win this week, could be could be kind of scary for them after the way they started the season last year, two and zero, so convincingly, and then kind of took a turn. Everything took a turn for the worse. So definitely looking forward to that matchup, and then. Monday night, baby. Let's let's get after it a little bit here. Two 0-1 teams that lost in somewhat disappointing ways. Seattle had a couple chances to close that game in Denver and ultimately couldn't really get it done. And then Chicago, this is a team that <laughs> the Bears were up, you know, 20 to nothing. Khalil Mack looked like he could single-handedly beat the Packers at halftime. And then, you know, next thing you know, Aaron Rodgers happens and they're 0-1 hosting Seattle this week. This is a game that I'm really looking forward to and I think is going to be a huge primetime game. I don't know what the specifics are of the Bears' schedule after this game, but I know in the next four weeks they have something crazy like Buffalo, Miami, Tampa Bay, and a bye. So if Chicago can can get over the hump and win this game, not only will it send Seattle into a, a scenario where they're 0-2 and, and lost two winnable games in the first two weeks of their season – but it'll send Chicago in a situation where they could be looking at a, you know, uh, I think they have a week seven date with the Patriots and a bye before then maybe. They could be looking at possibly five or four wins and an over 500 record going into that meeting. So this is a game that I'm investing a little bit of stock in here as just an, an important game for the league to see how it, how, it, uh, how it weighs out after week two. Yeah, um, my, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Colts-Redskins game uh, this week. I um I mean, I'm, I'm expecting the Colts to have a better effort on defense, but I'm also really uh, excited to see what the Redskins do in their home, home opener. They impressed me against that, the Cardinals team that, I mean, they kind of 
the Cardinals look pretty bad, and they were being outplayed by the Redskins for the majority of the game. So I just kind of want to see how much longer uh, this Redskins team is going to keep the train rolling. And I'm, I'm expecting the Bears to win that game. I think that they have a better team than Seattle, and I think that if Seattle was having trouble with Denver's defense, that they're going to have a lot more trouble with Chicago's defense. And look for Mitchell Trubisky to, to kind of build on the small, small foundation that he built in uh, that first half of the Packers game. And Clep, I, Clep, I got a little something for you. Okay, hit me. And I obviously don't believe me. I wouldn't get too scared. I know your your Super Bowl pick did lose a game they should have won Week One uh, to Tampa Bay. And I kind of wanted to get your overall thoughts about your confidence in the Saints. And also, I wanted to ask both you guys because this is a line that I think is very interesting. Cleveland is in New Orleans this week, and they're catching ten points. So New Orleans is a ten point favorite hosting the Browns Week Two. Obviously, I think I'm picking the Saints to win, but I think this could be kind of a trap game for the Saints after losing a, a game where they were, they were undermatched kind of week one and they still lost. Their defense kind of floundered, and they got, a, they got a tough Cleveland team coming off a tie at home. What do you guys think about the 10-point spread I, here for the Saints? I, I think, I think, think you're Saints right that it's, it's a larger spread because even despite what the Buccaneers did, I would still – maybe believe a little bit more in the Browns or just say the Browns and the Bucks are still on the same playing field for me. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that though. The Bucks did look somewhat impressive and maybe fits magic. The Saints, the Saints are home again too, which I just, I just like that they're back in their own building. Uh, but then maybe then that's not a good thing. If they get off to a slow start, the fans could get a little restless. The Saints also were a team last year that started off 0 two, Obviously, those losses came against much better opponents in the Vikings and the Patriots, but they started off so last year. I'm not, I'm not abandoning ship. It, it, it was rough to watch, I'll be honest, with the, the Bucks thing, but I think it would, might have just been a scenario where Ryan Pat Fitzpatrick just came out guns blazing and caught the Saints off guard, and they never really could, could jump back in it. But the offense still looked incredible. I mean, they put up 40 points against the Bucks defense, which obviously isn't an impressive defense, but the offense is alive and well. I mean, the defenses can't give up more than 21 points a game, and they should win. Michael Thomas looked great, and I wanted yeah. to say, Danner told me this. I thought this was funny. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little bit like herpes. He'll, he'll just flare up every now and again and, and cause a whole lot of havoc. Just one time every like every every couple of years, you'll get a little Ryan Fitzpatrick flare up. He'll go like forty three for fifty with like th with five hundred yards and four touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he was the FedEx Air Player of the Week. Yeah, no, very impressive outing from Fitz. Um, let me just get my my quick thoughts in in here. Uh, I did want to just say a little piece about this Dolphins Jets game. Obviously, I think. It, I know we were hating on the Titans a little bit in that early, in that Dolphins-Titans game, but I think it was hard to kind of garner an opinion about either of those teams with just the nature of how that game played out with all the delays going on. But this Dolphins-Jets game, I'm going to pick the Jets, obviously, but this could be a game where whoever wins this this matchup is, is set on a path to compete for one of those wildcard spots in the AFC that I think will be up for the grabs there. I absolutely agree, and I would not – I pick the Jets, but I do it with some serious trepidation. Like, just because – I do believe in the Jets. I do believe in their coaching, and I think they're a better team than Miami. Let's get that out of the way. But Miami's a more experienced team. They have more veterans. They're coming off a week one game where they should not – were not projected to win. 
Uh, and the Jets are coming off a week one blowout with a rookie quarterback in their first divisional game. I just feel like in terms of little details, things might be going in the Dolphins' favor this game, and they might sneak a division game out just because the NFL works like that. And, and you know, Tannehill could get his due. And Miami could be the team that, you know, comes out of the woodwork as that wild card AFC East team second to the Patriots there. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you guys just said. I'm also on the Jets train for all the reasons that you guys were just talking about. Um, and I kind of see this Miami team as almost in the same way that you guys, I think you guys maybe see the Bengals almost, is that they're a really tough out. They have vet, some veteran players. This is Gase, Gase's third year, I'm pretty sure, or fourth year in the, uh, or third year, I guess, in the system. So, uh, and, and they made the playoffs with Tannehill two years ago, and then he tore his ACL last year. So maybe we aren't giving the Dolphins their, their proper due, but this definitely is going to be a very telling game for the future of that AFC wildcard and the AFC East. So if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, all three of us are survivors, correct? We, we're all on the Baltimore Ravens week one? Yes, we are. I think I switched that pick from the Saints uh, late in the week there. <laughs> surviving, just surviving, man. So this week for my survivor pick of the week, I have the Rams over the Cardinals. Just I, I, even though it's in or no, it's it's in LA. I just don't see the Cardinals coming into LA after what the Rams did to the Raiders and what the Redskins did to the Cardinals. I just I'd have a hard time seeing the Rams lose this one. Yeah, I like that as a pick as well. Um, I think they're definitely going to win, but I got to take the Chargers as my survival pick against the Bills. Um, I think that's also I think the Rams, Cardinals, and the Chargers. Uh, Bills are probably the two highest survival survival picks. I know Lee and I, Lee especially, we like to stay away from those divisional games. I, you just can never know. So that's kind of the only thing that's keeping me from leaning towards that Rams-Cardinals game. But the Chargers, I, I mean, if they lose to the Bills, I don't, I don't, I don't even know anymore. So I, that kind of my whole intellectual, you know, prowess as an, as an NFL guy is just going to go down the toilet if, yeah. they, if they lose to the Bills. So I, I feel like I kind of have to take the Chargers. Yeah, I'm with Tommy there. Uh, I haven't cemented the pick in yet because, you know, I don't have too much confidence in it right now. But, and, and Klepp, the other, it's either of the L.A. teams for me. I'm, I'm, I'm deciphering between the Chargers and the Rams. Um, just based on my heart of hearts and my even my head, too, uh, I think that, you know, the Chargers, I'd be the most surprised if they lost this week out of anybody. Um, so I'm going to go with them. But, yeah, like Tommy said, for, for the Chargers to go into Buffalo, and I know it is, it, it is kind of an interesting matchup due to the fact that Buffalo did get walloped last week. And they are starting, they are Josh, starting Allen. Josh Allen. And, you know, I don't, um, they, they, they are a defensive-minded team. You know, they play good defense. So at least they, I mean they're supposed West to. West Coast team going east. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to be worried about there. But like Tommy said, if the Bills beat the Chargers uh, this week, then I don't know. I, I think I might have a, some more issues than just uh, than just my survival league. <laughs> that is that is a fair point. Uh, any any last words on, on week two here before we sign off? I know those Thursday night games are usually sleepers, but I have a feeling this one. Might be competitive. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Hopefully some of our predictions will start coming coming through here. Go go Chargers, eh? Go Chargers, man. Jeez, oh, man. I like, the, the, the bright spot was the Phillip Rivers post-game interview. Did you see that? No, I did not. It made me feel a little bit better about everything. 
you know, I don't, I'm not a much of a cycling fan, but I, I, I compare an NFL season to like the, the Tour de France is it's all the stages, you know, and that's what the NFL season is to me. You know, there's 16 stages you get and you dang sure better win your fair share of them, but it's a, it's a long deal and, uh, we're down, we're down after the first stage and we got a chance in Buffalo to, to, uh, to go get a win and get to one and one. Thank you.